are listening to Shadow Horse Theater Broadcast. We come to you from the snowy plains of Minnesota with the Dark Pony Radio Show, presented to you by the Dark Pony Players, featuring Allie Daniels. This month's episode is sponsored by Living Artist Podcast. Don't wait until you're dead to make a living as an artist. And now, for the host of tonight's show, as always, the Pale Lady. Ah, my poppets. We have a special guest before we get to tonight's broadcast. My extravagant, undead artist, Marquis. Hello, friends. I am Marquis de Baptiste. I was an artiste until I was brutally murdered by my friend. My poor darling. Did you paint anything that we may have heard of while you were of this mortal coil? Alas, no. I was starving and tortured and was unable to find the joy in my art. That is unfortunate. But you are back now. We. Oui. Once I was returned to this life, I discovered this podcast from the artist Preston M. Smith, entitled The Living Artist. It dispels the myth of the starving or tortured artist and focuses on the positive, abundant, and joyful side of living a creative life. Where can I find this podcast? Wherever you can find podcasts, but you can go to www.pmsartwork.com. Don't be like me. Don't wait until you're dead to make a living as an artist. Well, Marquis, you better get back to painting. You have a new life. <laughs> now, my puppets, we are going on an adventure. I hope you enjoy long drives. I know driving alone can certainly be one hell of a journey. <laughs> I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell you, maybe it'll help me. It'll keep me from going crazy. But I must tell this quickly. I am not crazy now. I feel perfectly well. Perfectly well, except I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Rory Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Ford V8, license number 6V7989. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know I'm at this moment perfectly sane, that it is not me that's gone mad, but something else. Something utterly beyond my control. But I must speak quickly. At any moment, the link with life may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss and then I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. It's raining. Stay here at the door. Hey, what's this? Tears? Oh, it's just the trip. Rory, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, mother. There you go again. People do it every day. I know. But you'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. (laughs) Strangers? Don't you worry. There isn't anything that's going to happen. It's just 
Eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or hamburger stand every 10 miles. I was in excellent spirits. Drive ahead, even the loneliness seemed like a lark. But I reckon without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. He stepped off the walk, and if I hadn't swerved... If I hadn't swerved... I'd have hit him. I almost did. Almost did hit him. Now, I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought maybe one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway, and let him off. I, I didn't stop for him. Then, late that night, I saw him again. It was on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly. The bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hailed me this time. Hello? Hello? I stepped on the gas like a shot. It's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences, or whatever it was, gave me the willies. I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir? Fill her up, will ya? Check your oil? No, thanks. Nice night, ain't it? Yes. It hasn't been raining here lately, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh, no? I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. Nah. People drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, though. Ain't many pleasure cars out here on the turnpike this season of the year. I guess not. What about hitchhikers? Hitchhikers? Here? Why? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? A guy'd be a fool to start out to hitchhike on this road. Look at it. You mean you never see anybody? Nah. Maybe they get a lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it's a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't pick up a guy for that long of a ride. This is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you? Oh, no. No, it's just a technical question. Ah, I see. Well, that'll be a dollar forty-nine with the tax. The thing gradually passed from my mind as a coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all the next day until, just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. Peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. 
He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there waiting, almost drooping a little, a cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours, and he hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello? Hello? I'd stopped the car, of course, for the detour. For a few minutes, I couldn't seem to find the new road. I realized that he must be thinking that I'd stop for him. Hello? No, not just now. I'm sorry. Going to California? No, no, not today. I'm going to New York. Sorry. Sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. Yet at the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by, the fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The lights changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Yep, what is it? What do you want? You sell sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yep. We do in the daytime, but we're closed up for the night. I know, but I was wondering if you could possibly let me have a cup of coffee. Black coffee. Not at this time of night, mister. My wife's the cook and she's in bed. Well, now listen. Just a minute ago, there was a man standing here, right beside here, and he... A suspicious-looking man. Henry? Who is it, Henry? It's nobody, mother. Just a fellow thinks he wants a cup of coffee. Go back to bed. I don't mean to disturb you, but you see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. What was he doing? Nothing. You've been hitting the bottle. That's what's the matter with you. You got nothing better to do than wake decent folk out of their hard-earned sleep? Now get going! Get on! It looked as though he was going to rob you. I ain't got nothing in this den to lose. Now on your way before I call out Sheriff Polk. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to rest a little. But I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. The few resort places there were closed. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I'd run him down. But I didn't see him again until late the next afternoon. I'd stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks. He was leaning against a telephone pole. It was a perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun, yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then something went wrong with the car. It stalled right on the tracks. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell, its cry, its whistle crying. Still, he stood there. Now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Well, I frustrated him that time. It started. It worked at last. I managed to back up, but after the train had passed, he was gone, and I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. 
I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself be alone on the road for one minute. Hello there. Hello. Like a ride? What do you think? How far are you going? Amarillo. I'll take you to Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas? Yeah, I'll drive you there. Gee. Hop in. Mind if I take off my shoes? My tugs are killing me. Nah, go right ahead. Gee, what a break this is. Swell car and a decent guy driving all the way to Amarillo? All I've been getting so far are trucks. Hitchhike much? Sure. Well, it's tough times in these great open spaces to get the brakes. Yeah, I'd think it would be. But I'll bet, though, if you got a good pickup in a fast car, you could get places faster than, well, say another person in another car. I don't get you. Well, you take me, for instance. Suppose I'm driving across the country at a nice steady clip of about 45 miles an hour. Couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for lifts beat me to town after town, provided she got picked up every time in a car that was doing 65 or 70 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe she could. Maybe she couldn't. What difference does it make? Ugh, no difference. Just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. <laughs> Imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax. And if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... Hey! Did you see him, too? See who? That man, standing beside the barbed wire fence. I don't see anybody. Right there! It's nothing, just a barbed wire fence. What do you think he was doing trying to run into that barbed wire fence? There was a man there, I tell you. A thin, gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? I'm trying to get rid of him or at least prove that he's real. But you say you didn't see him back there. You sure? I didn't see a soul, as far as that's concerned. Well, watch for him. Watch for him again the next time and keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute now. There! Right there! No! How's this door work? I'm getting out of here. Did you see him that time? Did you see him? No, 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 I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living, and I don't see how I will very long driving with you. Look, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. Please don't go. Sophie, excuse me. Please, you can't go. Listen, how'd you like to go to California? I'll drive you all the way to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Listen, please, just one minute. Know what I think you need? Just a good dose of sleep. There, I got it now. No, no, you can't go. Leave your hands off of me, do you hear? Leave your hands off of me. Come back here. Please, come back. They ran from me as if I was some kind of monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. And I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest or even sleep here in the car. Just a few hours, get some sleep, just along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket. Just as a blanket. Hello? When I saw him coming toward me. Hello? Coming toward me? 
emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello. I didn't wait for him to come any closer. Hello. Maybe I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. And now he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a minute, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was standing near the drinking fountain at a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque where I bought 10 gallons of gas. I was afraid now. Afraid to stop. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in lunar landscape now. The great, arid mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. And now he didn't even wait for me to stop, unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads. He waited for me at every other mile. I could see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in its same attitude over the still and lifeless ground. Flitting over dried-up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals. Flitting in the pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself, beside myself, when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. It's cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if I could speak to somebody familiar, somebody that I loved, I could pull myself together. Number, please. Long distance. Thank you. This is long distance. I'd like to put in a call to my home to Brooklyn, New York. I'm Rory Adams. The number is Beechwood 9970. Thank you. Thank you. What is your number? My number? It's 312. Albuquerque? New York for Gallup. New York? Gallup, New Mexico calling. Beechwood 9970. I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was in the middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall, white-haired, and her crisp house dress going about her tasks. It'd be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I've collected the money? All right, deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? Who's this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? Why, I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Beechwood 9970? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes, who is this calling, please? Is this a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. A nervous breakdown. Who is this calling? Nervous breakdown? My mother doesn't have... It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Rory. The death of her oldest son, Rory? Hey, what is this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 9970. It's all been very sudden. 
He was killed six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Sir, three minutes are up. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. And so I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise, otherwise I'll go crazy. Outside, it is night. A vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa and mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them, he is waiting for me. Somewhere. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. my sweet puppets, your lives truly are a highway. Tonight's journey may be over, but darlings, we have such a wondrous adventure ahead of us. As we continue together, we learn more and more of each other. <laughs> now, my lovely nymphs, I must bid you good night and adieu. You've just heard tonight's performance of the Dark Pony Radio Show with voices from the Dark Pony Players. Matt Sachs, Max Besner, The Pale Lady, Matthew Kelly, and featuring Allie Daniels. Sound design and engineering by Benjamin Conklin. Our theme song, written by M. Terrell Woods, is Old Time Radio, performed by Carnage the Executioner, courtesy of the artist. The Hitchhiker, from Mercury Theater, was written by Lucille Fletcher. Tonight's episode is sponsored by The Living Artist Podcast. Don't wait until you're dead to make a living as an artist. It can be found on all major podcast sites. This has been a Shadow Horse Theater production.